think this is, this is probably one of the most underrated, somebody say underrated. underrated. This is the, one of the most underrated, underutilized gifts that God has given his people. And what it is, is called family worship. If you need a pencil, just lift your hand in the air. The ushers will see that you get one. Family worship. I mean, this idea is so, it has become so novel now that most statistics say that the majority of Christian homes, wow, can I blow your mind real quick? The majority of Christian homes only do worship when they show up to church on the weekend. Yeah, majority of Christian homes. And, and, and that explains why we have so much hypocrisy. <laughs> yeah, that's why we have so many fake Christians. Amen. I'll say amen. That's why we have so many people that wear a mask and uh, are powerless. That's why our churches are so empty. That's why our children are leaving the church in droves because we have not taught them. Help me, Lord. We have not we have not taught them. And when I say teach, I'm not talking about in words, but with our behavior and our example, we have done a very poor job as a church at living Christian lives the other six days out of the week. And so it is that God would have us to walk in our relationship with. I'm just greedy like that. I want what, what I get here, like on Wednesday nights and on Sabbath. I want that every day. I'm greedy like that. Some of I mean, some of us are just cool with getting it on the weekend. Well, I don't know about I want God to show up the way he shows up on the weekend. I want that. I especially want it in my house. Come on. Amen. Somebody. Many of us have just. We have just accepted that God will show up on the weekend and we'll just have an awesome time on Sunday or on Saturday, whatever day we go to church. And it's just going to be great. I can't wait to get to the house of the Lord. But can I explain something to you? God's presence is in such demand. His presence is, is so, uh, it's, it's, it, it, there's so much of it that we can have it anytime we want. <laughs> Did you hear what I just said? That's awesome. You can have the pre- Y'all are laughing at my evil laugh. That's actually a good laugh. I get excited. I mean, we can have the presence of God. That's worth more than money. That's worth more than a boyfriend. That's worth more than a wife. That's worth more than a job. If you have his presence, you have whatever you need. Because in his presence, the Bible says, there is fullness of joy. But his presence does not come uninvited. All right. So let me, let me let's just get with this thing tonight. My remote, my, somebody, my remote. Oh, there we go. Uh, one of the things we share with you that's killing church is formalism. And I talked to you about how many of us get excited about worldly things. We get excited about a sale. You saw a t- a, 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 you was in Macy's and you saw three red stickers on there. And you cut a two step right there in the mall. Or many of us get excited about sports. Football season has started. And I was, I was so, 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 I mean, I prayed for the, for the Cleveland Browns. <laughs> praying for you guys. Well, you ain't really had nothing to get excited about, but you, are, you can also tell what you value by what you get upset about, too. And, and, so, and so one of the things I'm beginning to discover is this thing about family worship should not simply, those of us that are doing it, it should not be just formality. It should not be boring. It should not just be something we're doing to check the list off to say we did something that pleased God. But it should be exciting. I told you again, I want to say this again. I, and, and although this is practical, I want people to get this. Be greedy for God's presence. Be greedy for it. I mean, want people that expect little get little. 
You are getting from God whatever your expectation is. Did you hear what I just said? You are simply, whatever your relationship with God is, is based on what you are expecting from God. I don't know about you, but I, I'm greedy for his presence. The Bible says it this way. It says those, get this now, those that hunger and thirst for righteousness, what's the next step? Those are the ones that are going to be filled. And you hear me talk about this all the time. But to the extent of our desire will be to the extent that we experience God. People that have gotten to a place where they don't really need God are going to get exactly what they feel they need. But people that are desperate for God, that are hungry for God, that that know that if they didn't have him in their lives all the time, not just when they got a problem, but even when things are going well. I was telling the, uh, the, the leadership team just before I got here, one of the most dangerous moments in a Christian experience is when they when they receive a blessing. You got to be careful or when you've been used by God. I I discovered uh, before God delivered me uh, from pornography, I discovered that when I would struggle with pornography, it would always be after a spiritual victory. I'm telling you right now, many of us get comfortable in churches. We come to church. We have these great moments. The preacher has preached us up into a frenzy. The choir sang our song. And what we have done is we have gotten a secondhand experience from God. And we think that thing is going to that thing is going to cover us when the enemy, the enemy is just standing outside the doors of the church, just waiting for us to get out. He said, go ahead, worship all you want. Enjoy yourselves because guess what? I'm out here waiting on you when you get out. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm going to be at your house too. I'm going to follow you all the way home. And, and when you get out the car, I'm going to let the full assault of my satanic power on your life. And this is why I'm telling you, that's why you have got to have more than just simply a religious experience that you got on the weekend from a pastor. You have got a daily, somebody say daily. There's got to be a daily seeking out after God. I love what David says. David says, as the deer panteth after the water, so doth my soul long for thee in a dry and thirsty land. David got to a place that he realized that he was always desperate for God. There was never a moment where he didn't need God as much as he needed him yesterday. One of the things I've discovered is as I've gotten closer to God, I've needed him more. I used to think I really needed God back in the day, but I've discovered that the closer I get to him, the more that I need him. Can I get somebody to help me in here? How many have begun to see yourselves as you are and you realize like Isaiah, oh wretched man that I am, and you can proclaim, God, I need you. I just don't need you on the weekend. I need you every day. I need you every second. I need you in my family. I need you in my job. I need you in my thoughts. I need you in my decision. I need thee. Oh, I need thee. Every hour I need thee. Oh, bless me now, my Savior. I come to thee this week. This, it waste, it's a waste of time to even talk about worship when you have gotten to a place where you don't even need God. Worship is for desperate people. So a, a, a quick theology of worship, one of the things we told you at first is the first theological point you need to understand about worship, and this is not something you put down, just quick review, you got to love God. Worship is not for unbelievers. Amen. Worship for people who love God. Yeah. Amen. Second thing you, you must discover uh, about worship is, is that worship will lead you to proclaim what God has done to other people. 
Uh, notice what the Bible says. The Bible says, and, and this is the thing about our family, it says, my people hear my teaching, listen to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth with a parable. I will utter hidden things. Uh, things, the Bible says, uh, we have heard and known things our ancestors have told us. The scripture says, we will not hide them from their descendants. We will tell them to the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord. Here's the point. Here's what? And the wonders he has, the Bible says, done. Verse 5, he decreed statutes for Jacob and established the law in Israel, which he commanded our ancestors to teach to their children. Now, I'm coming down your street. So the next generation would know them, even the children yet to be born. <laughs> and they, in turn, would tell their children. Very quickly, just in summary, what the scripture is saying is, is that the way that faith is transferred, it's not, it's not transferred at church. Yeah. Amen. How do your kids learn about God? How do the people in your house learn about the, and I, and I love this, and you all know I, I got stuck on this point last week, about the power of God. See, many of us just teach our families about God, but we don't teach our families about what God has done in our lives. And notice the scripture says, when we teach them about the power of God, then they will trust in God. If you are not having family worship, you are basically simply telling your family that I don't want you to know about the goodness of God. It is impossible to learn about God on the weekend, only. The learn <laughs> come on somebody, you must learn, the, the teaching of God must be a daily educational process. And the vehicle that God has given us is family worship, the time in our home where we seek God. Uh, John 4 tells us that we're not confined to no buildings. It says, yet a time is coming now and when the true worshipers, come on in here, some, how, many, how many declare yourself to be a true worshiper, uh, will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for they are the kind the Father seeks. So, so we, we are not just caught up on the information, we are also caught up in the spirit of it all. And the Bible says, again, truly, I tell you that if two or three of you uh, agree about anything on earth, the Bible says, he says, and they ask for it, it will be what, everybody? It will be done by my Father in heaven. So notice what I'm trying to tell you. If you gather your families together, if you live in a house, if you got roommates or whatever, and you take time to get into God's presence and you worship, you sing, you pray to God, the Bible says when the two of y'all get together, whatever you stand in need of is done. I want that every day. I'm greedy. Now, here, here's tonight's uh, message. Let's get this. Five must-have approaches to life-changing family worship. Five must-have approaches. What I'm talking about tonight is attitudes. How do we approach this thing? Uh, what, what should be my, my mindset in doing this thing? I've never done this before, Pastor, and I, I just I need, need wisdom. How should I approach this thing? Let's get to it very quickly. Number one, uh, you need to have the appropriate attitude. What is the appropriate attitude? The appropriate attitude is simply, I need God. That's it. You come based on your need. You need God. The appropriate attitude is, I need God. If you ever lose a sense of need, then you'll stop seeking God. Um, the minute that you feel like you never have to eat again, either you lost your mind or you're really sick. One of the things we discover when people begin to get ill is they begin to lose their appetite. One of the ways that you know that you are spiritually ill is when you lose your appetite for God. All right? Number two. So you got to have that need. And let me tell you why this will drive you. For those of you who are like, oh, I don't know if my family wants to do this. and you know, I, Somebody needs to do something. Why? Because we need God. 
And that's why I told you last week, it's going down. We're not, I mean, well, everybody's watching TV, plan for it, prepare for it. But know that if you're paying the bills in that house, come on, talk, can I talk to the bill? Where are my bill payers at in here? Anybody paying, paying, if you're paying on something, paying for the cave, if you're paying the bills in that house and you're a believer, then at such and such time, we're going to seek God. And if you got your, your cousin, your uncle and them, your, your nephew, he living there, I don't care. I don't care if, they don't, if they're not a believer. They're going to come and worship. Period. Many of us, we, we give those kind of options like, uh, I, I, I don't, listen, you talking about your house. You don't want no foul spirits in your house. You better put them people before the throne of God. So first, you got to come with an attitude of need. Second, you need to have an attitude of acceptance. Acceptance of who? Acceptance of the people around you. In other words, if there's drama like in the house, don't start family worship until y'all worked out y'all differences. Amen. No, I'm saying if there's serious, if there's serious issues that's impeding real worship from taking place. Now, because I told you before, it's much easier to worship in a, in a setting like this than it is when it's just three or four of you. <laughs> that's real intimate. <laughs> Especially if you got dramas in your marriage, drama with the kids. The Bible says, it says, if you have aught with your brother, leave your gift at the altar and then be reconciled to him. Then worship. Understand, God is, not, is less concerned with you performing the act of worship than he is concerned with you being reconciled with your brothers and sisters. That's why some of y'all are here tonight and you shouldn't even be here. There's been folk coming to church for the past 50 years and you should have stopped coming a long time ago until you got reconciled. The scripture says, it says, don't even show up, Matthew 5. Am I talking Bible? It says, lay your gift at the altar and be reconciled to your brother. <laughs> I might have just, I just might have set up an empty church this weekend, didn't I? <laughs> it may not be nobody up in here. So we have to be, we, might, we need to have acceptance of those that come. In other words, there needs to be a mindset that all of us need God. I am, I, just because I'm, I am so-and-so doesn't mean that I, I need God less. We accept everybody, no matter what their situation is. This is a place of grace. Somebody say this is a grace place. This is a grace place. Uh, my house should be a house of grace where everybody is ex- received and accepted, no matter what they've done, that nobody is, not, is, is, is so unworthy that they cannot come into the presence of God. That is the lie of the enemy, and nobody is so unworthy that they can't come in your presence. Who do you think you are? We accept one another. We accept our brokenness. Thank you, Jesus. We accept our foibles. We accept our issues. That's why I know I got a next level marriage. Because me and my wife, uh, and some of y'all say, oh, y'all ain't been married 11 years. Praise God. Some people have been married long and they ain't grown up. Some people have been married short and they've been learning from the mistakes of other people who've been married long. I'm that guy. And I'm going to tell you right now, we have, there is, we we are naked and unashamed. We can look at one another, receive counsel, receive rebuke. We can accept one another. There's total, I love this. There's total, thank God for my marriage. We have total acceptance. I love you, honey. Yes, I do. There is total, I can look at her eyes right now. I ain't flinching. Come on, some people can't look in their eyes. Can you imagine sitting around having family worship? You can't look each other in the eye. Y'all need to shut it down and work through some stuff first. See, we can dialogue about stuff. We can deal with our issues. There is complete openness. There has to be that authenticity, that realness. It's hard to sing Father Abraham with your kids when y'all mad. Come on, say amen. (laughs) Have you ever tried to praise the Lord when when you're upset? (laughs) It's really hard, isn't it? I mean, especially when you're upset with somebody who's in the midst. It's it's real hard to get a praise out when 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 your spirit is all jacked up. 
You have to have authentic. It's hard to come before God when your spirit is not authentic and genuine. Work stuff out. Number four, accountability. Worship presents an opportunity to spur. Somebody say spur or, or, or to encourage. That's the word. Somebody say encourage or to inspire. Somebody say inspire. It presents an opportunity for us to inspire one another. If like if you're going through your whole day, go to work, come home, groceries, kids, go to bed, go to work, go to groceries, kids, shower, go to pay bills, work, work out, shower, boom, boom. And, and you say, hi, wife, hi, wife, hi, kids, hi, kids, hi, bye, how y'all doing? All right, bye, bye. Yeah, yo, that's how many of our weeks are. We just rolling. Hey, how you doing? Up, up, pay bill. Up, 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 down. Up. How you doing? Go to church. And we've never had a sit down, still moment without the TV on where we are listening to our brothers and sisters in our home, our family members, and, and accountability is to motivate them to become Everything God wants them to be. And I say this to my kids all the time. I almost feel like putting Camden on the spot right now. Uh, I'm not going to do it. But I tell my son and my children all the time that God wants you to grow up and do great things for God. I, we try not to leave the family worship with a, with a bad spirit. Case in point, <laughs> um, trial and error. Um, so <laughs> when I grew up, sometimes we would have like family worship. And my dad would try to use those as moments to... Uh, um, have family meetings. So, uh, <laughs> so like, you know, we would leave dishes out and the house would be a mess. And so he would be teaching, you know, he would be sharing a scripture. To say, let's say the scripture was, uh, you know, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. He said, you know, the scripture today that we're going to read, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. And, you know, the, and, and the first thing I want to tell you all about this text is you could do all things if you learn how to clean up your nasty room. The first thing that God wants you to do uh, with all things with and through his strength is to clean, them, to clean them dishes like you're supposed to. And see, what you have begun to do is you've begun to salty the spirits of people in there. Do not turn family worship into a time to attack and to deal with issues. Do that before so that you're free to worship. Don't be trying to make little innuendos like you ever heard those people who get up and they, and they get prayer requests at church, but they're really trying to make a point to somebody across the room. When I was at Pine Forest, we used to do that all the time. Somebody would stand up and they would say, I want to praise God for friends. Real friends. Friends that don't talk about you behind your back like some folk in the church do. I just want to thank God for real people, but not fake people that walk in and don't speak to you when you come in. So I just want to praise the Lord. But friend, that is not the time to take shots at people. Remember, keep that thing focused and positive. And accountability here is not simply to check people, but it is a moment to inspire people. In your family worship, wife, that's a good time to say, honey, if I, uh, be, 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 I know we're about to pray, but I, I just want to tell you that I love you. And that, and, that, and that what we have talked about today, I believe, and I thank God that you're the man of God you are. And I'm going to pray for you right now, honey, that you will become everything that God said you will. That's a time to speak life to your kids and say, Taylor, Camden, you can, you can do this in school. You can do this mad thing. And we believe God. It's, it's, it should be a motivating session. Y'all feel me? It should be a rallying session. When you leave, by the way, I put on Twitter this little family worship we had. It was totally authentic. Totally authentic. And I'm telling you, when my kids have family worship, we usually have it in the car on the way to school. I want my kids to leave there like, let's go. Let's go. Where, where, I mean, where, 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 come on, let's go. Where, let's, let's do this. 
I want them to leave knowing who they are. I want, I want them to leave inspired. It should be a pep rally in your home. Found people, when you say it's time for found worship, people should be like, oh, let's do this. Can I sing? Can I lead the song? Can, can I pray? I mean, people should be excited about it because they know that they're going to be they're going to benefit from it. Would you say amen? And the last thing, obviously, is affirmation, which I'm telling you, we need to encourage one another. Neglect. All right, let me read this. and We're going to get out of your way. It says, if ever there was a time when every house should be a house of prayer, it is now. Infidelity. Somebody say infidelity. And skepticism prevail. Iniquity abounds. Corruption flows in the vital currents of the soul and rebellion against God breaks out in the life. Enslaved by sin, the moral powers are under the tyranny of Satan. The soul is made the sport of his temptations. And unless some mighty arm is stretched out to rescue him, man goes where the arch rebel leads the way. In other words, there is there is there is warfare against your home. How many have experienced it recently? Do you know that I'm not playing? This, this part right here ain't no joke. How many can testify that there is an un... This is, this is deeper than your husband. This is deeper than your ex. This is deeper than the financial situation. There is a diabolical, satanic plot to destroy, to divide, to mess up, to cause my family to be lost. This thing is deep. And, and, and the first thing you need to recognize about this thing is that if the enemy is attacking you the way he's attacking you, then that must mean that he sees that there was a plan that God has for your life. He is scared of you and he knows that if he can keep you from the presence of God, then he will have you in the power of his hand. But how many know you're not going to let him keep you from the presence of God? I don't care what he does to me. Go upside my head. Take family members from me. I don't care. I will seek the Lord. I will not allow. You're going to make up in your mind that you will not allow the devil to steal your focus from your God. Just because you're down does not mean you're out. Just because you are behind does not mean you won't move forward. Just because that you have lost it doesn't mean you can't get it back. For the Bible says that God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches in glory. Do not let that stuff that you're dealing with in your life cause you to be discouraged. The enemy, I told you this, I tell you this all the time. You can tell by what Satan is afraid of, by what he tries to keep you from doing. And I, I, I mean... He wants to keep us from spending time with him. Let me back this up. It says, uh, and yet, in this time of fearful peril, some who profess, uh, that's the difference between I actually are, profess to be Christians, have no family worship. They do not honor God in the home, and they do not teach their children to love and fear him. Many have separated themselves so far from him that they feel under condemnation in approaching him. Now, let me just say this. Have you ever been in that thing where you know, it's been so long since you spent time with God that you feel like, well, it's been so long since I've been with God, so I really don't want to, I'm kind of afraid to seek God. That's the enemy. That's the enemy. All that guilt and stuff like that. Well, I haven't done this, and, and I just don't want to come to God any old kind of way. Well, how are you going to come to him? What other kind of way can you come to him except any old kind of way? What you, I mean, I'm amazed. I mean, especially these folks, I can't come to church till I get myself together. How is that working for you? Look, God is, I'm telling you, God is not over there tripping because you've been human all your life. 
Amen? So many have separated themselves because they feel in condemnation. They cannot come boldly unto the throne of grace, lifting up holy hands. I'm going to tell you right now, and I say this to people all the time. I don't care what you did last night, five minutes ago. I don't care if you took a hit of a crack pipe. That does not preclude you from coming boldly. Coming boldly has nothing to do with right, being righteous. Coming boldly is simply the command that God gives to us on how we should come to him because that's the, the, look, God, oh, thank you, Jesus. God is not interested in holy people. God is interested in making them holy. He can't make them holy unless they come boldly. He is not mad at you. He's madly in love with you. All right? Bible says lifting up holy hands. Come on in here, somebody. Without doubting. Hebrews 4.16, uh, 1 Timothy 2.8. They have not a living connection with God. There is a form of godliness without the power. So we need to move past that. A few more statements and I have some scriptures. The idea that prayer is not essential, y'all, are y'all with me? Is, 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 is one of Satan's most successful devices to ruin souls. I heard one writer say it like this. He says, the highest form of arrogance is a person who, doesn't, who is not committed to prayer. Yeah. It's funny. Many of us laugh at people that pray about everything. Like, I know this lady down in Huntsville. She prays when she goes shopping. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> why is she praying when she's going shopping? Oh, how, how foolish is she? And she keeps getting sales. She keeps finding stuff. Let me, let, let, then you start praying that thing. Come on, say amen. Just walk into a car lot. God, give me the car, you know. Listen, what we have to realize is that prayer, communion with God, is not something we do when we simply need him. We pray all the time, amen? Yeah. The idea that prayer is one essential, is one of the most successful designs to ruin soul. Prayer is communion with God and the fountain of wisdom, the source of strength and peace and happiness. Tragedy of a prayerless home, real quick. I know of nothing that causes me so great sadness as a prayerless home. I do not feel safe in such a house. <laughs> This is a word for that individual who is waiting for the right time to start having some kind of prayer or family worship at home. Your house is not safe. And listen, all your doors are locked and you got an alarm system. How many know safety don't got nothing to do with that? Goes on to say, and were it not for the hope of the helping of helping the parents to realize their necessity and their sad neglect, I would not even remain up in that house, homegirl said. The children show the result of this neglect, for the fear of God is not before them. This is not rocket science. How, do I, how are our kids going to get passionate about God? They got to see us passionate about God. How do our kids get passionate about prayer? They got to see us passionate about prayer. See, we want our kids to get stuff by simply telling them to do it. Do this, do that, do this, do that. Don't do this, don't do that. Don't have sex. Don't get pregnant. Don't do this. Don't go there. Don't do that. Get a job. Go to school. Look, you will have to say very little if you do the stuff you want them to do. You don't have to say much about anything when you're doing it. You're inspiring them. People don't respond to what you say. They respond to inspiration. Formal prayer is not acceptable. In many cases, the morning and evening worship is, is, is little more than a mere form, a dull, monotonous repetition of set phrases in which the spirit of gratitude or the sense of need finds them no expression. Have you ever been to a church before and it was boring? Tell the truth. Raise your hand right now. Come on, be honest. Be honest. Have you ever, have you ever heard a boring preacher before? 
Have you ever heard somebody who, can, who sang, they got a decent voice, but they just had no passion? How is it that people sing about, sing and preach about the same things, but some stuff moves you and other stuff doesn't? And I told you before, it's because many of us are trying to have worship, but worship doesn't have us. you simply just trying to do worship. You need to be worship. It needs to become a part of who you are. The Lord, homegirl says, accepts not such service, but the petitions of a humble heart and contrite spirit he will not despise. The opening of our hearts to our Heavenly Father, the acknowledgement of our entire dependence, here it goes again, the expression of our wants, yep, you can even tell God what you want too, the, uh, the, I'm sorry, the spirit he, uh, uh, of what he wants, right? The homage of grateful love, this is true prayer. Be real with God. And y'all heard me say this over and over. I'm going to say it one more time. Stop praying these prayers in front of your children. That's all lofty where they can't reach it. Stop praying these prayers in your house so you can sound deep. Oh, Father God in heaven, oh, matchless Father who is enthroned between cherubim and seraphim. We honor you tonight because thou art worthy of all the praise. Thou art worthy of all the honor and the glory. It is because thou hast peradventure nevertheless been with us in past times that thou doest things in our midst that thou and theest hast known unto thee. Okay, I'm just, my thing is, okay, that's not even you. Like, who are you? Where did that come from? Why, Why did your voice change? What was wrong with you? I mean, your kids are sitting there like, what, what, what happened to daddy? That is not the Holy Spirit. He is crazy. I have discovered that our prayers should be simple and real. They should be simple and real because it teaches us. How many people have you heard say, I don't know how to pray? You know why they don't feel that? Why they feel that way? Because they've been hearing church folk pray these lofty soliloquies. Make good writing material. Write a book. But don't pray that stuff out loud. Pray simple stuff. God, I need you to just help our family. Lord, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. And we just ask you today to bless Johnny, bless Sally, bless my wife. God, you know that I lost my job. I need you to don't, I mean, be real. Put that stuff out there. Show your kids, show your family what it means to be real and authentic. Five components of life-changing family worship. Number one, I got to move. Praise. 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 The Bible says we ought to speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Uh, I got this thing where I'm trying to teach my kids how to praise the Lord. You know you have to teach it. If you don't teach people how to praise, then how will they know? You're not born, you're not born knowing how to praise God. That's why most of us don't do it, except when the spotlight is on. So I got the kids in the car. Am I telling the truth? Am I t- <laughs> I'm not going to put y'all on the spot. So, you know, when we, when, we, when we start our family worship, I go around the circle. All right, I'll be like, all right, Taylor, it's, it's time for a praise check. It's time for a praise check. And I'll start with Taylor, and I'll say, Taylor, that's all right, it's your turn. And Taylor will be like, praise you, God. We love you, God. You're worthy, God. I'm trying to teach them how to praise the Lord. They might just be mimicking me right now, but one day that thing going to be real to them. <laughs> you ever heard Shirley Caesar tell the story about when she was in the backyard and she was out there playing preacher? Come on in here, somebody. And her mom, and her mom came out there and said, they went out there and said, look, Shirley out there playing church. She out there preaching. And when the mom went out there and saw her, she said, Shirley ain't playing no more. <laughs> it's real. 
And so I encourage you, in all your family worships, there should be a moment of praise. What I encourage you to do is start every worship with praise. Start it with a song. Do not open up with prayer and read out of the Bible. Sing something. I can't sing. Play a song. By the way, for those of you who are by yourselves or you're working on your personal devotional life, let me tell you what I do. Get up at 5, 4.30 in the morning. When I get up, the first thing I do is I put on, I get my laptop out. Oh, and somebody know what I'm talking about. I find my CDs where I got all my computers. And I, I go right in and I get my, I get my, my Marvin Sapp. I, I get my, my Brooklyn Tabernacle Choir. I, 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 get, I, get, I get the music that I need to hear that's going to inspire me. I get my Israel, my Fred Hammond. I don't know what your taste buds are, but I, I put, I even get a little Larnell Harris in there. I put some instrumental. And the first thing I do is I put music on and I begin, and I, and I can't sing like them, but I just do the best I can. I put them headphones on and I just begin to sing unto God. Come on in here. I begin to glorify him and just praise him. See, I don't have to, look, I don't have to have a choir because I got one on my computer. Yeah, I, Marvin Sapp is my praise and worship leader at my house. Yes, he is. And so even if you can't sing or you don't want to, just turn some music on and just start mouthing the words. But you have to, you have to, you have to create a structure for praise. Sing, sing. Sing, sing. Second thing is, in every family worship, there must be prayer. There must be prayer. There's got to be prayer. The Bible says Ephesians 6.18, very quickly, and pray in the spirit on all occasions. Huh? With all kinds of prayers and requests. If you're, at, if you're at an event or a place where you feel uncomfortable praying, even in your spirit, then you shouldn't be there. The Bible says pray in the spirit on all occasions. I don't care where I am. I can get a prayer in. Come on, say amen. And especially in your house. If you feel uncomfortable to pray in your house, either you need to leave your house or you need to change the environment of your house. Because that's a house that's not safe. <laughs> now, look at the bottom point. It says prayer allows us to gain direct access to where God is. Let me tell you something right now. Watch this. Y'all want to go to heaven? How many want to go to heaven? What if I told you you can get to heaven right now? You didn't know that. You know, heaven is not a place. Heaven is where God is. If God abandons the new Jerusalem, it ain't heaven no more. Heaven is where his presence is. You can have heaven in your house. Oh, come on in here. The Bible says we are seated in heavenly places. And we can get direct access to God's presence through prayer. You got to have a praying house. You gotta have prayer during your family worships, and you're teaching your kids how to pray. You gotta move. There needs to be some kind of Bible study. I mean, I, and just, this is practical tonight. I mean, there are a number of things we do. Um, I'll simply just tell a story. It's not me always opening a Bible. I tell it, the children. What, what, I don't know what the story. What, what, what I talk about today? I can't remember. Um, but I know the word, so I can tell my kids the word. Or if we're sitting down in a place and we're not in a car, I'll, I'll, I'll read from, from uh, children's friendly, you know, if you have kids, all your worship need to be catered towards your kids. All right, so that, that, read the book and you'll find out more about that. But with reference to worship and Bible study, there must be at some point during your worship where there is some word from the Lord. A devotional book, a scripture, one promise you read, read something from the psalm. I mean, open your Bible, fend through the page, just put your finger on one, find a scripture, but there must be a word from the Lord, something, all right? And uh, that, that, should, that should go without saying, right? I think we get that. All right, amen, and there we go. Uh, the study of the scriptures puts the family in the position of hearing the word of God. It's more than information, it is revelation. The Bible says, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my pathway. 
All right? Let's just keep moving here. Bible study. I think we are. Number four, sharing. Almost done here. Um, Revelation 12, 11 says, um, pro, uh, Revelation proclaims, they triumphed over him and they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their what? Their testimony. So a format. Again, just in my mind, what I've shared. Every time we have family worship, we start off with praise. We'll sing some songs. We'll do something to praise God, to get our spirit right. Praise is a spirit check. You got to start with praise. You got to recognize who you're dealing with. You got to come with a thankful heart. Then we go into some kind of prayer. We pray for everybody that we will receive whatever God has in store for us during the worship time. Somebody will share a brief word, either the children, myself, somebody, something, a brief word. We're not there all night. Come on, say amen. What I'm talking about right now, I'm talking about 10, 15 minutes. And I'm saying these 10, 15 minutes can change your day, change your life, change your family. Give God 15 minutes. And then, and then after that, after the word has been shared, then I will ask my children or ask my family, now what did God say to you from what you heard today? They got to. They got to. Tell us what you share. Share us a praise report, a testimony. Get them in the habit of feeling comfortable to share what God is doing. And I'm going to tell you right now, you will learn some stuff. See, many of us are so busy, we have no time to talk to our kids. Family worship gives you an opportunity to at least hear from them. Many of us are too busy, we don't hear from our spouses. When's the last time you asked your spouse, how are you really doing, and you had time to hear what she had to say? Family worship gives you that moment. And I'm telling you, um, it killed me. To, I mean, the other night, because I'm preaching this, I got to, like, when you start preaching something, you really got to start living it. <laughs> so Monday night football came on the other night, and I'm in the game. In it. Kids come down, it's like time for them to go to bed. I mean, my hand trembled. As it went to the remote control <laughs> to turn it off. But I, look, I've got to show them that this, this game is not more important than worship. We turn the TV off, the game will still be there. We turn the TV off, and then we come together for about five minutes because they're tired. <laughs> if, the, if the Lord, if he, if he wants to tarry, he will. It's all about the kids. All about the kids. And so we'll, you know, we'll spend about two, three minutes there, you know. <laughs> but real talk, though, seriously, man, dude, I mean, I don't care how good the movie is, shut it off. Because especially if you have kids, you want them to see there's nothing more important than making sure this house is covered in worship, even if it's a brief prayer or something to let them know that we need God. Amen? Um... Uh, sharing, let me keep moving. Y'all can get this stuff. I'll give it to you. I'll put it on the website. You can download it. Um, buy the book, of course. Encouragement. All right, last thing. A word of encouragement. I will just read this scripture and we'll close. Ephesians 4.29 says, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. <laughs> but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs. Zach just mentioned in our leadership development um, I think, how many years did it take them to build the Twin Towers? Like, several years. But it only took a few hours for them to be torn down. It's much harder to build people up than it is to tear them down. So do the hard work and build them up. Find ways to encourage. All right? The scriptures, uh, we're going to reading, it says, uh, it says, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen. In the book, we actually give you challenges. I, I put you on a 40-day plan and give you challenges each day on things you can do to help encourage and build one another up. 
All right, that's it. Um, anybody have any questions real quick before we close? About what I said, anything practical? Don't be afraid. All right, real quick. All right, I give you seven benefits. Here's seven benefits of having family worship. Number one, spiritual growth. Number two, family closeness. Your family will get closer when you do this. Number three, healing. God will begin to heal. Number four, you'll, your family will have fun. We have fun at family worship. That's what we do. I encourage you to have fun at yours too. Or else nobody's going to want to come. <laughs> family worship can be educational. Not only are you learning about each other, you're learning about the word, you're learning about life. Number six, it can be evangelistic. You begin to have it on a routine. You can begin to invite family members, friends, coworkers. Come join us for a meal and, and, and some prayer. All right? And the last thing is family health and environment. The environment of the home will change when family worship begins to happen. That's a guarantee. That's a guarantee. All right, praise God. Anybody else? Nobody? Questions? Comments? Everybody's good? All right. Praise the Lord. Uh, the book will be out in three weeks. Get more information there. Uh, but at this time, oh, you need, still need those? I was too quick. My bad. My bad. Uh, was it too quick? Y'all need it on the screen? Yes. Put it back on the screen.